We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the True Faith Weekly Radio Show. This week I'm joined by the ever-present Ben. Hello. You have to be ever-present because none of the best. <laughs> got the only one on. And uh, this week we're joined by long-time listener, first-time guest Marcus on the phone. Good evening, how you doing? Good, Very man. well, thank you. Good. We've got a few things to talk about this week. We're going to start, uh, unfortunately, with the absolute channels that was uh, Saturday against Leicester. One, I didn't, I didn't go to the game. Um, ben, I think you did. Fortunately, yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the I watched it though. One of the worst that I've seen in a long, long time it was as bad as as the Carver stuff last year, um, <laughs> which I never thought I'd say again. <laughs> yeah. uh, so first up, what happened? Did we play as badly as people are suggesting? Suggesting, or are there any actual positives to take out of the of the game, Marcus? I'll come to you first on that. Uh, I mean, in some ways, uh, you could have. Uh, potentially said could have seen this coming you know just before the international break going down to Bournemouth and you know you know let's be honest absolutely torn apart by what essentially is the championship side uh, just left completely exposed uh, sitting back just uh, soaking up this pressure somewhat and actually showing more respects to Bournemouth uh, as a footballing side than we did to Leicester I think with McLaren's setup at the moment it seems to be a case of because we're playing at home we should just have this uh, automatic advantage of, of being a better team and able to set up this uh, footballing uh, passing philosophy that he's trying to engage with the players showing little to no respect uh, to Leicester uh, at all and just holding this high line and then just constantly getting exposed um, uh, one bit that I seem to pick up that has been coming for a number of weeks is and I'm, I'm completely against it's having Wijnaldum and Sissoko who aren't wingers by any stretch, just out on the wings, cutting inside, and then just leaving the likes of Yanma and Dummett completely exposed. And when you've got someone like um, Mares, who's been in just ferocious form, you know, the likes of Dummett are just 
you know, who isn't even a great left back, uh, is just just going to get torn apart time and time again as he was last Saturday. Some of it, well, the majority of it, for me personally, I think this is down to the players' responsibility just not reacting. But uh, you know, at the same time, McLaren's still got to take some responsibility for setting up the teams as he does. Okay, he hasn't got that full squad yet, and there are a lot of players who he probably doesn't want uh, in the ranks right now and probably looking to ship out come January. However, you have to make do with what you have in the meantime until you get to that point and probably just set up a team uh, in a more organised fashion and just show more respect to this lesser side who you know we thought would drop off long before this point but still seem to be exceeding. So credit to them. They took full advantage last Saturday of this poor, poor, poor Newcastle team. But you know, at the same time, if we'd just shown a little more respect, sat a little deeper, and even if it was a case of just playing um, towards Mitrovic as a target man, then uh, I can't see it going too differently, but a more uh, performance could have been uh, in line. Yeah, I agree with you, um, particularly talking about the high line against Leicester, which just it's just nonsense. Of, of all the teams in the entire <laughs> league, Leicester have got the pace up front. So why have a high line, particularly when our defence is not fast? Well, you look at Colaccini. I mean, for, for years he, he was tortured by Shane Long, wasn't he? Yeah. And it's just... Still I is. Mean, yeah, exactly. And, um, and now he's like two years older. <laughs> much, much worse. <laughs> so so we're going, I think I saw a stat the other week saying uh, Vardy's the fastest player in the Premier League this season as well, something stupid. Yeah, so, apparently so. Uh, great, great, uh, great decision. Yeah, great. Great Ben, do you, know, do you know what even? Um, sorry, just want to jump. Do you know what even baffles me more about that stat? Last season, I'm almost certain I read somewhere that Sissoko was one of the fastest players <laughs> in the Premier League. Why not put him in the middle, uh, in front of the defence, to help cope with the pace of Vardy? Well, he's not particularly defensive, is he? You can't tackle. Well, I was well, going to say, look, look at the first goal. That's probably your answer right there. Got oh, absolutely done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ben. Um, any any positives at all? Was it as bad as everyone said? It's it's really hard to pick out any sort of positives. I think um, one to eleven were all shocking. Um, I mean, Mitrovic had one of his worst games, completely isolated again. It was the same as the Bournemouth game. The last last couple of games we've just been basically let, leaving him up up top to try and fend for himself. Perez is dropping deeper. Um, he seems to be sort of being deployed as more of a a defensive attack midfielder, if that's such a thing, um, just basically marshalling the sort of the their, their sort of possession players. Um, defensive attack midfielder. I know it's, it's only Newcastle. <laughs> but um, yeah, and we're just—I I mean, I think um, Dodsey uh, was talking about it in his um, match preview that he's uh, put out on the True Faith website today. Yeah, I about, read it as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't read, but um, it's just the, the lack of. I mean, as, as you said there, the, uh, Marcus, about the, the, order, the sort of the order of the team, the, the formation. No, nobody's working together. There's no sort of shape. Um, I mean, this, you'd, you'd think that they'd be looking to help each other out, but just so many players just walking back. I mean, that first goal just sums Newcastle up so much. I mean, the other two were probably <laughs> equally as bad, but just the, the Colaccini and Yamat basically go to the um, sort of the right of our defence to, to block out uh, Vardy. Who then just does a just a straight run into the box, and the pair of them just completely ignore him, and then just jogging back, he sprints into the box, and then he, he makes Sissoko and just slots it into the near post where Rob Elliott's left it and But I mean, I'm not going to have a go at Elliott for that. He 
basically it was just made made by the lack of effort and there's just yeah. too many players in that I mean Wijnaldum said it in the week there's far too many individuals just nobody's working together and I think until until they start working for each other and, and, and working to a plan we're just going to get caned every week yeah so in summary from both of you there are no positives and all negatives uh, just to look to look at a couple of the stats the one that I think is the most important is we had one shot on targets and we had one shot on target at Bournemouth so it two full games of football one against Bournemouth who are terrible <laughs> and one against Leicester who are a good side but you would say the you, top you should, you should, them the respect, you should get a chance a couple of chances against Leicester it's not like you're playing against City um, so two shots on target in two full games the Leicester keeper didn't make a single save and we had 54% of possession but we just did nothing with it what's the point there's no point so that's um, that's playing two strikers and two number 10s as well (laughs) Um, so Ben the next thing I'm going to say is how much of the blame do you think needs to be taken by McLaren and the way he's setting the team up and how much of it is just the players not not playing very well I mean that's the thing you you, normally I would say it's it's got to be on the manager I mean I think that was his worst his worst performance this season Um, I mean how many times is he going to keep trying to go back to that fight the Four, two, three, one, which just doesn't work. You, you need cohesion in a team to play that that formation, um, and just the, the midfield three that they went to, Sissoko, Genie, and Anita. I think it was just none of them know what they're doing. Um, they don't know how to play the, the positions. They were just completely isolated, um, and just it just negates um, sort of any <laughs> anything good that we've got going. I mean. Wijnaldum and Sissoko have done the best best stuff sort of on, on the wings this season I mean Sissoko looks his most dangerous when, when he's got Yanmat burning down they'll be sort of overlapping him and, and he has that option to either go out to to Yanmat or, or cut inside and sort of use his pace and power to, to run at people and that was just completely negated um, I mean the, the the problem is the 4-4-2 in the first half wasn't really working but at the same time it, they weren't really overrunning with them I mean they had one or two chances um, and then obviously the the goal at, at the end, but we were a lot. At least we were still in the game at that point. I think he completely panicked at half time. He bottled it a bit and and changed to the this sort of five man midfield and just completely wastes Perez out on the left, um, asking him again to do a more defensive role than than he should be doing. His how for how good he is and good on the ball and everything, he should be looking to to run it at the back four, get on the ball. Mitrovic pulling defenders out of the way and creating space for him but he, he just didn't get that opportunity and I think it's just we're, we're going to keep seeing it at the same time as bad as McLaren was just we've heard obviously in the media this week that McLaren's had a go at them all just the lack of um, ambition from players I mean I was having a go at Tovan getting the ball off Yamat and just passing it straight back not even looking to, <laughs> to sort of take a man on or just try anything just looking, looking for a forward pass just completely went into his shell. Now he's, I mean, he shouldn't be the the focal point of the of the team and everything. But however, and you twelve million quid, you pressure footballer pay, sort of being paid to, to to do a job, and and you go out and serve that up. It's just not good enough. You could accuse that of all of them. Wijnaldum was really poor. Um, just again, a bit anonymous in the game. Really, I, I think he he was um, what wasn't didn't have his best game, and just the. The back four are in absolute shambles. They just get far too easily cut open. How can have that many players back and still have the striker completely unmarked at the back post for that second goal? 
It's a farce. Yeah. It's an absolute farce. What he's doing back there, lads. Like, have a look. Like, look at defenders. It's not as if they all need to be watching the ball. Like, there's just and they're obviously not talking around. No, but there's no communication. They're just not playing as a team, and it's it's just pathetic. Like, and as I say, um, it's it's a really hard job for McLaren because clearly there's there's something going on there where I, th- I don't know if it's players don't get on or or what, but they're they're just they're not interested. Yeah. So you're right. It's it's both. Well, you say that, don't you? You know, players not getting on. What's happened this week? Well, I, I don't know. I think you, you're right to bring up the second goal, by the way, Ben. Um, it's possibly the worst defending for a goal I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> He's standing, a centre forward is standing in 10 yards of space inside the six-yard box. I've never I've never seen anything like it before. <laughs> Jan Matt's not marking anyone. He stood six yards outside the six-yard box on his own, not marking anyone, not looking for someone to mark, not looking at where the cross could go. It's... It's absolutely baffling. I just don't think that that blaseness about defending happens even at Sunday League. In my games on the weekend, you, you don't get a striker stand on his own in the six-yard box for a cross. It just doesn't. It just doesn't happen. Um, that is the that's the goal that made me think that we are really in trouble this season because it's just pathetic. Any team in the whole country would have scored that goal against us there because. He was standing in the six-yard <laughs> box and marked. It's, it's, it's too laughable. Easy. Is it to do? Is it to do with zonal marking though, or is it to do with like marking man to man? Well, you can't. You can't zonal mark if no one's going to stand in the the back half of the box. <laughs> like, it's just uh, nonsense. This is what this is what I'm trying to figure out with this new setup and this new coaching system. You just you talk about bringing in uh, sports psychologists and new coaches for this, that, and the other, and it just feels like absolutely nothing's okay. I'm not expecting overnight change, but. The, the progression just seems like uh, just minimal the best yeah um, yeah I don't, what these sports psychologists could do with the the crop of players we've got now is beyond me they just need to be told how to actually play football um, Marcus do you reckon is it is it McLaren is it the players is it a combination of the, the two has McLaren got any chance of turning it around with this batch or where's, well, where's the blame well in terms of this uh group of players uh, no, no I, I really don't think he does I think there's a lot of players there that either well not only don't want to work under McLaren but just don't want to be at Newcastle and the fact that he started tearing paint off the walls this week and then just actually uh, you know taking it to players and you know throwing criticism their way and having some players actually react and just like to be honest I'm actually a bit proud of him because I don't think we ever really had that under Pardew I don't think we've had that in that sort of uh, manner since the days of oof, going way back well maybe not Sir Bobby but possibly Keegan um, uh, so you know, just week after week you know it seems like McLaren's trying to take this uh, team forward and, and you know bring in and gel in the, uh, new players and bring in this new system but at the same time a, a lot of these players are either looking elsewhere for new mo- new moves or just not interested so I'd rather you know give McLaren that time uh, give him another at least another two extra transfer windows to build his team and uh, you know give him the foundations for what he really wants instead of working with Pardews and then subsequently Carver's leftovers yeah I agree um, I agree we're going to talk about this in a, in a little bit but the question is whether the board are going to sanction wholesale changes to the squad in the middle of a season despite how badly it's going the record of our board and transfers suggests that that probably won't happen um, uh, for me it's we're just on a hiding to nothing like the manager can't motivate this group of players he doesn't seem to know 
what formation to play, where to play any of them. The players themselves just don't care. None of them really want to play. Um, my next question for you both was, out of the players, who in particular would you think is due criticism? And uh, in particular, Colachini and Sissoko have picked up a lot of the um, a lot of that criticism. They've taken the burden down in, yeah. in the press. Do they deserve it? Uh, my personal opinion on Sissoko is is well known. I actually think <laughs> for now he's probably not one of the ones that I'll be criticising. That's to that's, be honest. That's the thing that sort of surprises is that he gets he gets in. So I would say a, an ov- overly unfair share of of the blame, considering how bad the whole eleven are at the minute. Um, it, it it's just an easy target, and I, I completely get why. I mean, obviously he's the one that's coming out. Saying stupid things in the press, um, and then when you, you're coming out and playing like you did on on Saturday, <laughs> you're going to get a lot of abuse. Like I've got, I haven't really got a defence for me on that, but I just think he's an easy target when there's there's plenty of other players in that team uh, have have got ability, but they're just not showing it. I mean, look, Yamat completely um, gets away with murder sometimes. Just as I said, that first goal on on the weekend, just jogging back into his position, completely out of position for the, the last two goals as well. And it's just what what is he doing? He's a Dutch international. Surely these players, regardless of what they care about Newcastle, like <laughs> most of them have lost their places in the national teams. Do you not like? You're not trying to get back. I mean, I'd probably Yamat doesn't want to get back in the Dutch team to that <laughs> horrific at the minute, but uh, maybe <laughs> that's what it is. But um, it, you just think that <laughs> where's where's the, the self pride? Like they're, they're just completely wilting over and just showing absolutely nothing and it just I mean it, it just begs the question sort of the core sort of leadership I suppose of the team is so poor um, I mean that some of the players that have left the club in the last few years as well it's just it's sort of been ripping ripping the heart out of the team and you've got the likes of Sissoko who doesn't particularly come across as a sort of a leader type but he's he's having to do sort of step into that type of role Um and it, it's just he, he just can't do it. I think when Yaldum's come in, he he should be taking a um, taking a lot more sort of over. I think he should be taking a lot more control of the team. I mean, he, I think he was um, he, was he the PSV captain? I don't know. I Marcus? think I think he might have been. He was, yeah, yeah. he was. Uh, and wasn't he, uh, he won the league with them. Yeah, the captain, I believe. And De Jong obviously was the IS captain for why you think these types of players, senior players who've been brought in for a lot of money, that there's got to be a lot more. Sort of put onto them to um, sort of take control of the team because I think the likes of Col- I mean Colacini's been captain for years, but he's again he's not really a you don't see him as a motivator. He, he doesn't seem to say much. Um, yeah. Other, other than write letters in perfect English, um, <laughs> every now and again. Correct English. Um, Colacini was the one that on. I was that I wanted to talk about here. Um, he, as I say, has picked up a lot of the flack from the press and on social media, and I think it's thoroughly deserved and about time people started to question whether Colicini was actually that good at football for for a good few years now since when we finished fifth Colicini was remarkable at centre half it was that season he was the best defender in the league and then just from there it's been a, a steady and not even slow a steady and quite fast decline to the point he's at now where he's just absolutely hopeless and in my opinion he's he's got to be dropped they should have taken the captaincy off him in the summer because he he doesn't. He doesn't seem to it be able to, sp- time to, to, to do speak it with, with new head coach coming in and new setup. Like set up your new team and say, right, I'm establishing this. This is my new leader. And yeah, just to you know, just just to tear the dressing room apart, as it were, and start anew. Because as you say, it's just complete shambles by this point. And 
there's just absolutely no leadership skills in college uni whatsoever. How many times have you come out and fronted up to any defeats? You know, the one that sticks out in my mind was the 5-0 at Man City last season. Nowhere yeah. to be seen. I think Mehdi Abid was sent out with John Carver <laughs> to uh, do the press conferences. And then even this season, the 6-1, where was he? It's just pathetic. I, I, he's not a captain. He never has been a captain. He, when we concede, he's not. He, he just doesn't do anything. He's not trying to motivate his teammates. He's, he's, he just stands with his hands on his hips or on his head, annoyed. He can't, he can't like come out in front of the press because he can't speak English. It's it's well, just nonsense to have him as the captain. Yeah. Still, when he, we shouldn't even be playing. It's nonsense. Marcus, what's your opinion on him overall? But I was going to say, you know, having watched him this season, uh, just in general, uh, specifically, it feels like at times Mbemba's trying to lead him. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's completely backwards. You know, this is an experienced international centre-half that we have, you know, that has played, you know, for Argentina. Uh, I, I can tell you how many times, but enough to know better. And it's just, I don't know if it's, physically because he can't keep up the demands of the Premier League or you know or uh, or if he's still wanting to go back to Argentina even now and you know this summer seemed like the perfect opportunity to take him out of the team bring in Paul Dummett establish him at centre-half maybe or even start with a new young partnership of Lascelles and Mbembo or whatever you want to do and just look forward but no you've given this guy a, another contract extension and Week after week, he's just um, he's just proving uh, why he's just uh, not even. It's just a shadow of what he was when he's in. Oh, I don't know, 2011, 12ish, when he made uh, the team of the season. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. It's a it's a massive worry as well because he obviously is he's the club captain. He he should be the one leading from the front. And as you say, um, Bembo is in his first season in Premiership football. Like he should be the one sort of getting bedded in and being sort of built into the team and being supported and as you say he's he's far outplayed um, Colachina this season without sort of being outstanding really yeah. uh, he's had a few good games don't get us wrong I think he looks a good player but he just gets left completely out of dry sometimes by Colachina well, he's sandwiched between Yanmat and Colachina yeah. neither of which can defend mm-hmm. he's got no chance has he yeah. the, the problem by this point is if you drop Colachini as all fans well many fans believe he should be will that not cause more of a stir in the press to say oh look Captain Colachini dropped from the side might cause more decorum in the dressing room and have more sort of consequences off the back of that which okay you can argue that you have to ride the storm through it but have you gotten into a position where he's become undroppable for being at Newcastle for as long as he has and being captain for the past four years or whatever it is now yeah um, the the problem we've got now uh, apparently today Haidara has been ruled out for four months um, have you really? we don't know where's that come from I didn't even know you Dodsey's uh, put it up there but no well where's, the, where's the injury come from? from yeah as far as I knew he was on his way back <laughs> I, thought, I thought you meant where's the source <laughs> <laughs> so so now we have oh, the only left back of the entire club is Paul Dummett who's not a left back He's he's the one for me that should be playing in the middle with Mbemba, but that, that can't happen anymore. Or Mbabu, who's who's actually looked he's really decent. He's had one decent, game and, and played solidly, didn't he? Do we, do we really want to be chucking him in? He's not he's not a left back. I think to be honest, though, I, I, I think you've got to go with him just because. And it, I mean, Dummett's just not a left back. He doesn't know how to play the position. Um, at least Mbabu showed that sort of naivety, I guess, against um, 
Chelsea, was it the Chelsea game, wasn't it, where he was Chelsea, getting forward. Yeah. Um, and not not that we need him to be bombing forward, but you've got to have that outlet. You've yeah. got to have that place. Put Dummett was the only player. Um, Dummett was consistently the only player being left completely unmarked by Leicester, <laughs> just because they know if he gets the ball, he's going back to Colaccini, or he's he's just going to hump the ball, slice it out out for a throw in with one of his his rake in seventy yard passes that goes to no one. Yeah. He's just he's just not a good enough footballer. Um, in terms of he'd be much better as a, just a defender a limited defender we don't need him to bring the ball out or anything just defend and, and keep your position yeah. um, whereas on the left back you've got to be able to carry the ball and you've got to you've got to you basically got to contribute to the attack and he just can't he can't do that um, and it's just it's just disappointing because I think it's it's doing him more damage <laughs> it is of, yeah it's ruining his confidence um, as you say I think it'd be far better being put in, in the mid and given a chance to, to forge a partnership, I mean, what, what's really to lose? At the end of the day, I think McLaren's got to start looking where where we can make changes because too many players are, are just comfortable. There's no ch- sort of nobody's challenged for the position, um, nobody that needs to anyway. And it, it, I think there's got to be there's got to be a point where you've you've got to start making making sort of cuts, start asking people because they're, they're just if they're in a state of comfort, which they appear to be, and you're getting hammered, you're, you're in big trouble. So you've got to shake it up a bit. Um, no, I'm not, I'm not suggesting Dummett, Dummett should be sort of left out from Babu completely and just left out in the cold. But you've got to look to change things. Shape like you've got to try and do something, be proactive and, and make some changes for something. Because at the minute, the way it's going, it's it's just too easy. We're the easiest team to play in the league at the minute. Yeah, you only have to look at our attitude towards Dummett to realise what's happened to him. Because we we used to absolutely hate Paul Dummett and say he was terrible and then we all sort of realised it's just because he's not a left back mm-hmm. and he shouldn't be playing left back and now all four of us that normally do this podcast and radio show say that Dummett should be playing centre half alongside Mbemba just it's it's unfair for him to have been just like abandoned at left back when he can't he can't attack or carry the ball it's just not, like, it's just shocking if you put Steven Taylor at left back he'd be terrible he's terrible at centre half but you see <laughs> you see what I mean if Colaccini at right back mm-hmm. even in his prime would have been poor just doesn't work it's not the same position just because it's a defender doesn't mean that it that it works he wouldn't play Torvan in centre mid mm-hmm. he's the next player I want to come on to uh, just really briefly Marcus oh, nice link, what, if, you, um, if you want to tell us what you think of him is he worth a place in the team was he was he worth paying £12 million plus Remy Cabello for is that Torvan yeah uh, it's far too early to tell, especially given the crop of players that he's working with around him. I mean, he, uh, all I can say for him at the moment, he's, is he, what, 20, 21 years old, maybe 22? He's, he's come in from the French League, and he, he's basically, what you know, trying to take the team by the scruff of the neck whilst adapting to the Premier League at the same time. What's refreshing is to actually see him do a couple of take-ons and actually drive the team forward. Unfortunately, no one else is coming uh, or going forward uh, uh, with him. So he's just becoming isolated, and unfortunately, in some ways, he's just becoming uh, another Cabela. I'm just hoping he gets uh, more time in that uh, in that respect. And I just like to see a side, a Newcastle side, you know, play with wingers, uh, actual wingers. So you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Tovan start tomorrow, moving Sissoko inside and letting him have uh, the roam uh, of the middle. Uh, you know, driving the likes of Hangeland, you know, who I think could easily be an easy target for either Soko or Mitrovic. But it's, yeah, Tovan, you know, up against it's going to be what Martin Kelly, I think. Um, I d- I've got absolutely no idea. Martin Kelly, is From, he something like that. Depending he... on which wing he's up against, so it, yeah, you know, I, I can't criticise 
the kid too much because it seems you, know, you can't put so much responsibility and you know a price tag on top of him. You know he you know he can't help what the club pays for him. You know, I personally maybe would have given Cabela more of a chance this season. Unfortunately, he didn't even appear in the fold all through pre-season. So in a way, we all saw this coming. But uh, there, there are much greater problems going on uh, on that pitch than the likes of, of Tovan. Yeah, but I agree. You only have to look at um, Liverpool's handling of Coutinho to realise that players are coming from a, a totally different need, league. Need a what? Hello? <laughs> G- guess yeah, who's here? We've been joined by Cy <laughs> look, look who we've found. Well, I was listening in the car, right, and I heard you say that all four of us in here think that Paul Dimmitt is a centre-half. I don't. I don't think he's going to play any castle. So you've, you've driven, driven down here to Crummy. I, I was, I was about to go out with the lads, but I thought, nah, I'm not having that said on my behalf. <laughs> Good evening, people. Um, yeah, you only need to realise, look, with Coutinho to realise these players need a season to bet in, and Cabela didn't get it. Torvan's probably not going to get it because we've been so poor. Um, it's it's disappointing. Well, Sorry? again, when we signed when we signed Remy Cabela, he was signed as a number ten. What did Pardew do? Throw him out on the right wing. The Pardew effect. You know, is, there, is it any wonder <laughs> that he didn't adapt and, and couldn't cross and got sent back out to was it Marseille? Is that now? Yes, it is. Oh, like, yeah, exactly. So uh, I just I just don't want that to happen again. I think Tovan is meant to be uh, more of a right winger, which is why they did this swap deal. But he's not a winger. Yeah, it's just part. Yeah, it, yeah, it's clearly no. It's not the case. Yeah, Ben, what needs to change? I, I think they've, they've <laughs> really quick. I don't I know. think they've got enough the, time. Yeah, they've, they've, they've got to stick with the four four two because I think it's the only one that they can that can play at the minute. Um, you've got to look to to get those partnerships working together. As I say, we're best players when Yamat and Sissoko are bombing forward. Um, and Babu, as I said against Chelsea, was supporting um, when Yaldum really well. And and then Mitrovic and Perez have got to be playing a lot closer. Lord Spiceman's actually just tweeted. Um, Earlier, just saying, um, do we think the four four two with Perez? Earlier, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've just realised what, what time it was. Um, basically, just saying, did, does Perez need to play up close at Mitrovic? I, I would say definitely yeah. he's got to because he's, it's just leaving Mitrovic completely um, isolated. It's it was it worked against uh, it'll work against teams where you you get that space just off the striker, um, but teams are getting. They the know how to play right now, and I think you've you've got to give Mit- you've got to give Mitrovic an opportunity to to get a, nick, a flick on for someone, or or at least bring the ball down and have an option on. At the minute, he's bringing it down, and there's no one within twenty yards of him. So I definitely I'll stick with the four four two and and just. Sorry. Yeah, I'll just pick up. I mean, I've only just come in and heard what uh, Marcus was saying about uh, Tovan and, and Cabela, and um, both are number tens. Both have been tried on the right wing uh, to no avail. We've had how many number 10s now? Just hoid out on the right by... Winnie Adams also a number 10. Yeah. Left wing, right wing, whatever. Pardew did it. Carver did it. McLaren seems to be no different. He's doing it. We need to stop buying, attacking like forward players and then just hoiding them on the wing. Yeah. Buy some strikers and play them up front. Buy some wingers and play them on the wing. The it's, last, it's not rocket science, the only, it? <laughs> the only times we've been good in the <laughs> last five years... The only times we've been good in the last f- like four, four, four years has been when we've played with proper wingers. Like Jonas was class... Um, for all his faults, we had some good spells where Obertan was just playing on the right <laughs> wing, you know, as a winger, and, and whipping balls in and getting to the byline and giving the strikers something to, to do instead of playing it up to them where everyone else is behind them. It's, it's so hard to play football that way and it's so easy to defend against. And as you said, Ben, like, we're just <laughs> we're the easiest team to play against by, by a country mile at the minute. Yeah. 
for me, the change has to. We just have to buy centre mids because ours are terrible at football. All, <laughs> all of them. That's also true. Um, I was going to do a question on whether we'd be better off sacking McLaren or spending the money that it would cost us on new players in January. It's a pointless question because we're not going to sack McLaren. Nah, um, no way. So we well, won't be sacked anyway. No, exactly. I'll move on. How good actually are Leicester? Do we do we make them look better than they are? Si, I'll come to you since you've just arrived. Why? How? Why have you just arrived, Si? Well, <laughs> my plans got um, got rearranged. So I was I was you on the yeah, well, no, no. Um, with the lads, there was a transport mishap. I don't really want to talk about it. It was very upsetting. Um, <laughs> but at least I came. We, we all know what happened true. to the, the other lad who Barely also had his plans changed, but he, he, he didn't want to come, did he? Is that he true? He shall not be known. Yeah, Dogger could have made it. He, he, was sat meant, he was meant to be going to IKEA, taking his mother shopping. Well, well, well. <laughs> and he refused, are gonna be he refused to, t- this, he refused to take her shopping. <laughs> Uh, but still, because he's off the stupid show. taxi drivers who've uh, stri- striked across like Newcastle, it's it's caused mayhem. Anyway, um, so how good this is this is Radio Northumberland. <laughs> uh, how good Leicester? <laughs> Leicester are good, the top of the league, and and rightly so. The, the the play, they're not on paper by any means the best team, even with a fully fit squad. You know, they don't have many injuries. They've got they've got all their best players available at the minute, um, and it's hard to say that it's just down to effort because the. <laughs> The obvious reason why they beat us was because they were just so much more up for it. They were chasing down every pass. They were all just like buzzing to play, and that the contrast of how shit, we, how bad we were, isn't like a fair comparison. But that that is part of it. They've got they've got some sort of like team spirit. They've got everything going for them at the minute, and they, they seem like they want to win every game and they're confident about winning every game. Yeah. So then you come up against a team like Newcastle, where everything's the the complete polar opposite of that. Then. There's only ever going to be one outcome, really. I don't know how we were sitting here a week ago today thinking, oh, we'll, we'll smash these, we'll, we'll get a draw. I don't know what we're thinking. There was no way. Yeah. Marcus, do you think they the warrant their position in the league? Will they stay around there? Are they going to drop away? They definitely warrant it uh, for the time being. Just, uh, I'm not over all these um, uh, betting shops that are basically backing them to finish in the Champions League spots and everything. You know, It's only November, you know, just hold fire for a sec. Uh, They've still got Wes Morgan and Robert Huth as their centre backs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's yeah, no way in that. hell they are playing um, in, in in Champions League football. Not a chance. So, sooner or later, yeah, that's going to get exposed by I don't know the likes of I don't know if they come up against a Liverpool outlet who again put on this high high tempo, high pressure uh, system. Uh, in terms of Leicester, it, uh, this goes for any team in general. It's just wanting it. The same goes for Spurs. When I was reading uh, Doddy's preview earlier, he was bang on right. It's just like it's not just about what the coaches are coaching into them. It's just about the players wanting to do what's best a for each other and b for themselves. And that's that's just just as true for for Leicester. You know, off the back of last season with Pearson, right through to now under Ranieri. In terms of where they finish at the end of this season, uh, top half would be a magnificent achievement. Uh, I've my head, I'd say, I don't know, uh, just shy of the Europa League spot and go eighth. Eighth, Ben? What do you reckon? Yeah, I think about that. I mean, you. Give me a number. Um, I think. Yeah, I'll go eighth. I think um, Arsenal, Man U, uh, Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Everton, and Southampton will probably all finish above them. Yeah. So they'll be about seventh or I don't know how many I counted there, but seventh or eighth, I would say. Sai? Um, yeah, it's. It, this run can't continue. They've not got a big enough squad. They'll get a couple of injuries. 
and then they'll, they'll, they'll not continue to win nearly every game. But I think he's been harsh. I think I think this is the most open, at least for the top half of the league, it's the most open it's been in a long, long time. All the top, the standard top four, and you can maybe just discount Chelsea altogether at the minute, are dropping points left, right and centre. There's no consistency there. They're, they're still all up there, though. I think, I think it'll take a much lower points total to get into, into Europe this season. So... Um, I think they've got as good a chance as, as, as of getting the top six as, as anyone else in the top six. I think they'll finish with people like Everton and Southampton. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think they'll come fifth or sixth. It's, yeah. it's not looking like Chelsea are going to overtake them because they d- need to have a remarkable run now. They're about 16 points behind Leicester. You've just said <laughs> they lose one or two players and, and they're screwed. That's exactly the point. Like they haven't got, They've got two players really at the minute in Mores and Vardy that are completely tearing people a new one. If either of them gets fair, injured, fair, Morgan was tearing us a new one. <laughs> Every one of their players <laughs> just had a dream. But generally, you know I they've they've not got any sort of standout players other than them too. So I think if they if they lost a one player, just Vardy or Mares, you'll you'll soon see them struggling to beat teams. But I mean, I'll, I'll give them the, the credit. The, the the team at least worked really hard. Um, but I just think there's, but there's teams with more ability out there that can manage. Um, Man- managed the squads better but Ranieri's not even had to do anything yet he's yeah, literally yeah. just playing the same formation <laughs> with the same players that, that Pearson was poor, and poor, it's just, poor Nigel it's just, Pearson it's been <laughs> such a dream for him like if things start to go wrong then you might see if, has he got anything else in the locker I think uh, it, it can't happen for Mahrez and Vardy to stay fit the whole season and if they do I think they'll finish fifth if, if it's only one of them and they're only injured for a few weeks I think they'll still cling on to the top six if one of them gets a bad injury, then they might struggle. But <laughs> Every so it, possibility it's, to, it's totally up in the air. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or if they both get injured, they could go down. <laughs> um, I guess we'll call it a day talking about the Leicester game in Leicester because it was awful. Let's let's look forward to Palace. I just want to put this question to you, lads. I've had a tweet in from Mike Baldwin. Um, I don't think it's the, uh, the the famous Baldwin, one of the brothers. But anyway, he's asked... It's, it's um, Matthew as well, it's not Mike. Oh, is it Matthew? Oh, <laughs> apologies. Is there a famous um, person called Mike Baldwin? Or Matthew Baldwin? I don't know. Someone Baldwin. It's Alan Baldwin. There's, there's a few Baldwins. Anyway, that's Alec not the point. Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin, that's the, that's the lad. Anyway... Probably, probably not him then, Ben. He's asked, if Alan Podgy finished above Newcastle this season, will NUFC fans finally admit they were wrong to get rid of him? Well, can I just come in there? We, we didn't get rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get rid no, of him. He got yeah. offered more money to go to a, a club where he lives and, you know, and where he's loved. We're also coming on to that after we talk about the Palace game. All right, cool. Um, well, we've just put a little taste in there. I'll tell you what, then, we'll, we'll discuss it later. <laughs> okay. But I think... No, I hate Alan Pardew. Um, in the... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just before we talk about the Palace game, I'm going to uh, do Dogger's game, which historically I have always done terribly. So here goes nothing. For those of you who don't know Without the rules... Without further ado. Well, uh, you will come to that. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know the rules, I'm going to read out some facts about a player who has played for Newcastle United. You've got to guess who it is. There's only one guess per round. Shout out when you know the answer. You can't guess until I've said two clues. Before you start, did anyone, that daft uh, trivia thing that was going around yesterday that didn't have an answer... Was, it, was there no answer? No. How many, how many I spent ages yeah, just, just thinking about it and I saw a really funny tweet someone had um, written out every player and every club they'd played for oh, on a massive A4 they'd literally just spent hours <laughs> going through it and then just to be told oh yeah no it was just a prank you'd have been curted <laughs> it's not possible it's not <laughs> <laughs> Oh, nice. I, I'd, I'd just like, like, just for our listeners, uh, those of you that listen to um, the, the quizzes regularly, Dodsy did a classic 
just gave a wrong answer. As <laughs> it he said, it, the answer was Suleiman Tari, and we were all like, Sorry. "What Suleiman?" I was like, "Suleiman Tari hasn't even played in Spain." <laughs> He's like, "Oh yeah, no, you're right." <laughs> Cheers, Dagat. Um, right, clue number one. I was born in Hampstead in London in August 1979, and I'm six foot one. I currently play for Nuneaton Town and began my career at Nottingham Forest. Is it Marlon Howard? Oh, it is. Get Straight in. in there, Ben. Well done. Is that your doggers game or doggers doggers game? That's mine. Yeah. How did you yourself? Um, the rest of the clues are going to be: I have played professional football in both China and Finland. Didn't know that about Marlon Howard. His middle name is Anderson, and then a few other clues which were born. Uh, <laughs> Once again, w- wonderfully delivered <laughs> by me. Doggers game. That one wasn't my fault though. That was Ben got the answer straight away. <laughs> I can't control that. Um. Did anyone else think that Marlon Hale could have become a little bit of a cult hero in trying to get that? No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> oh. you know, the, like, the likes of, um, I don't know, Chef Coochie sort of figure. Neither of those will be a <laughs> cult figure to me. Ah, Coochie was a bit, he was a bit of a cult hero. <laughs> was he? So, <laughs> it was so poor, but, like, oh, same as Sibierski. Sibierski maybe, yeah, he scored a few goals, but, but <laughs> Kuchki played like, <laughs> he played like four games and didn't out. Yeah, it's hilarious though, because we signed him when he was like four Howard added nothing to the season we came up, it was just like... Scored five goals. Hang wow. on, th- this is Mickey though, who's one of his three favourite players of all time, was Antoine Sibierski. <laughs> <laughs> of all time, all the players you could have chosen from Newcastle, you chose Antoine Sibierski. <laughs> so yeah, Kuchki and Howard probably are cult heroes to you, Mickey, aren't they? Uh, moving on. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Dog is just <laughs> just messaging. Chef Kikuchi, no starts, no goals. Hero. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben, I'll start with you. When is the Pardew tumble going to begin at Palace? I think it's already happened. I mean, he, he's, his home record's not been particularly good. Um, the problem with Pardew, and it was always the same with us, he doesn't really know how to go out there and and take a game sort of to a team. It's he plays his best when they're when they're counter attacking and fair play to him, he does it well. Um he's obviously had some good results with Palace and they've had a, a very good start under him away from home and um, picking up some big wins, uh, including um Liverpool, which was a big surprise. I don't think they would beat them. Um but again the, he's very reliant on on Belassi, who sort of become his, his Ben Arthur um in that team and I think if when when they don't come off, when him and Zaha, which Ben Arthur? What? Did he just say Ben Arthur? Yeah, yeah. Belassi's like the Ben Arthur. Oh, Basically, okay. they Sorry. just give the ball to Belassi. Well they, they give the ball to Belassi <laughs> and just expect them to just take on take on the team and and put it on put it in the box. I mean, <laughs> they've got Conor Wickham playing up front, who's just not going to get goals for them. But yeah, he's hopeless. I, I think they they've, they've been doing well till now, but I think teams are working out how how to play against them. As I say, that the home form's not been great because teams are showing them a bit of respect, and the more respect they get shown the tougher it's going to be for him um, so fair play to him he's, he's done a decent job so far but I'm, I'm not told on him I, people saying that that lab um, saying that we were wrong to get rid of him I, he, he showed nothing in three years four years or whatever it was after the, the season finished fifth to, to show that the team was making any real progress yeah. um, and just the same mistakes were made year after year um, I, I just as I say I think he, he He's fine when the when they're the underdogs and and teams have got to come and play at them. He can set a team up to 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 counteract that. But if you sort of put push him to to have to go and take a game to teams, I mean that that Sunderland Palace game on Monday, um, 
I watched a lot of it with Dodzy. He was absolutely woeful. Was Some of the quality, games of just, just balls, teams. balls being passed out of play, and and just I mean Sunderland just packed the the back four in the midfield to to negate Balassi and, and Zaha, and it worked the treat. And that they didn't really have an answer to it, Palace. They didn't really create any sort of real chances that you think that would have got them back in the game. So yeah. I, I mean, as you said before, the blueprints there really helped play Palace. But I've I've got no confidence in in our lot p- sort of being able to go and apply it. No, we know that. So yeah, I mean, we've been over the the pod. You think so? I don't think we need to justify ourselves anymore. Newcastle fans, you know, we'll, we'll put up with them for long enough. He'd, he'd had some good spells and some bad spells, some really good spells again, then some even worse bad spells. Um, as you say, we weren't weren't really making any progress. We're going round in a few circles, and he's not a terrible manager, and he didn't do a terrible job. If you take the whole four years in as a whole. He had some really, really, really good moments and some absolutely disgraceful ones. Um, would would be any better off now if we, if he'd stayed? Maybe slightly. I don't think would be, you know, much different. Would be would be struggling along as as usual. We wouldn't have had the Carver debacle, and McLaren for me is a bit of an idiot and, and and not an improvement. And I think people forget that we didn't we didn't ask for John Carver. We didn't ask for Steve McLaren. We got lumbered with them when Pardew left because we're, of Charlie. We, we came up with a list of like many other names that would love to have in charge. Even now, that's that's not the point that we wanted rid of Pardew and wanted what's happened next is is just a, a, not, a nothing start. Like a, it's just nothing. Yeah, um, it's just typical of the, of the national press to jump on the bandwagon against Newcastle fans and say like we wanted to do this. Well, it saves his right for getting rid of Pardew blah blah yeah. blah we we'll see just, the same thing nonsense. about everything that happens at Newcastle like, we, like you say it's like, we didn't plan this yeah. and we didn't want this and I think, I think just to go back to, to actual Pardew's management style I think you, you hit the nail on the head there he's, he's over reliance on one or two like outstanding players that's what got him through at Newcastle he had Kabai he had Barr he had um, Remy for a bit Ben Arthur Ben Arthur when he was when he was on his game um, and it's the same thing at Palace and it's a kind of legacy he's left us with because Newcastle seem to think that as long as you've got one or two key players in there we'll do alright and that's all we seem to do now like if if Sissoko who is still one of our best players even though his attitude and, and performance levels are so inconsistent um, or, or Perez you know if either of them don't really have a, have a blinder we're, we're not going to win games and that's mm-hmm kind of an attitude that the club seems to have like oh you just need one or two really good players and then the rest can just make up the numbers that's a, that's a pardue mentality and if your class players don't have a good game you lose games and that, that's exactly what's happened to them now I mean it, it, just a point I want to make as well is <laughs> at the end of the day we, we made Alan Pardew he just got sacked from Southampton in League One, in League one. Um, there was no chance in hell he was getting a Premier League job um, we basically gave him the opportunity to get back into football management and he got given one of the 20 best probably jobs in the world if we're being honest um, Yeah, and it's, oh, it's no, just no, he, he completely gifted Bold. gifted a job back in there and I mean being paid millions as well the truth's not bold Marcus <laughs> the truth's not bold <laughs> but, it, but it's just the fact that it, it's it's as if like we, we don't owe him anything he, he was given a job and he did a brilliant he had a brilliant first season but then the results didn't didn't um, so war- warrant him he wasn't making any progress there's and plenty, there's plenty of, of stuff you can say against him it, exactly Derby records losing streaks, exactly records after records there, of terrible results there was like plenty there okay, but it just gets as you say it just gets ignored by the media which is a bit annoying but, and, and but regardless uh, tw- um, <laughs> he's laughing at your, your comment 20 best jobs in the world but he's also sent in some stats Dodgy you might as well have been here like you're just literally running the show from, from wherever <laughs> you are um, 19 points in his 17 home games for Palace so far that's not good. That's Pardew. Like, 
whenever he goes on a bit of a run and then he has an easy or a, a so-called easy game, he just blows it. He's at home to Sunderland, like they've been in a bad spell. Get get some points back on the board. Get your team up and run again. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do. Like yeah, but when does Pardew beat Sunderland? <laughs> very very good point. That's true, Marcus. <laughs> question for you: Can you see any difference in Pardew's approach with Palace to what he was doing if he had a defined approach at Newcastle? Absolutely not. I think the last two games have summed up Alan Pardew's managerial record uh, to a T. Going away to Liverpool, uh, sitting back, soaking in the pressure, uh, waiting for the counter and going with set pieces, done, win games, great. Uh, Home games, or as soon as he comes up against lesser opposition, who are willing to sit back and take in that pressure and the emphasis is put on his team, they, they just don't seem to have any sort of plan when it comes to the final third. Even when they were uh, attacking at home against West Brom, they couldn't find uh, any way to cut through that resilient Tony Fuller side uh, without those penalties. And I think eventually, uh, as this season goes on uh, and next season as well, I think he's just going to get found out. And I cannot, cannot, cannot wait for that day to come where the Palace fans finally realise what sort of manager he really is. He's an absolute fraud. Uh, When I was reading Dodsey's preview today, uh, I think his, his last... 80-odd games uh, as Newcastle manager, he lost about 40 of them. <laughs> how, how is that a great record? You, you know, it, it stands for itself. I, I, I can't wait to get down to um, Selhurst Park tomorrow. I really can't. I'm going to be in, in that away end. If anyone else is there listening now, you're welcome to join me. I'll be the guy with the sack card you sign right at the front. Just waving it around <laughs> with absolute... Are actually taking absolute... a sign? Oh, yeah, you know it. Of course I am. <laughs> uh, if I get it on match of the day, uh, I'll definitely will. But it's just, I, I, I personally think that he shouldn't have a, another uh, another job in the football industry, ever. He, he's just an absolute con man, and I'm sick to that. Uh, if he if he ever, ever, ever gets the England job, uh, I'm not watching another England game again. I'm not following England in any capacity. Because it's complete anti-football, and it's just, it's just the media just basically, you know, pining up to him and basically making us Newcastle fans out as the villains once again, which I cannot believe. When we were protesting, we were at the bottom of the league. If you look at that 2014 form calendar, it was, I'm pretty sure we were bottom of it, not only in points, but in terms of goal scores. We were probably top of it for goals conceded, and again, bottom for chances created. Yeah. That is Alan Pardew to a T. He signs all these great players with all this talent and all this creativity, and he sucks the potential and the life out of them. Sorry if I'm going on a bit here, but I've spent so much money uh, on football tickets and travelling, going to see my beloved Newcastle and just watching them either get torn apart or not even bothering uh, to turn up just because he just, he just, he's just, he can't inspire anything. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, anything else? <laughs> in, in particular, what do you say about, about it, like, is getting talked up to be the next England manager and stuff like that? It's like, it's almost like, the national media have decided that Alan Pardew is a good manager just to spite us because we don't think that he is on, no, on the no, basis of no statistics whatsoever they, we've won six games uh, with us we had that six game stint where we won games last season but oh he's a great manager no no no, he's not you know six games don't define a season because after that the season before 13-14 we did it it all went to pot I can guarantee the season just gone If after that six game run we had if it stayed on to the end of the season again, it probably would have gone near enough the same way. 
Yeah, he's a disgraceful person and a charlatan. Charlatan never manager, and he shouldn't be allowed a job in football. Well, I can't stand him. I we're hope. I just hope he gets sacked and drops down back to League One where he belongs. Mickey, we've still got to go to Bruges because of Pardew. I know. Surely you've got a little soft spot just for that trip. No, alone. he's just. He's just. It was so idiot. good, man. He's just an idiot. Um, in fact, all those European trips were so good, man. It was great, but it was in spite of Pardew, not because. Of him. <laughs> um, but it was uh, by the end true. of that Europa League season that like everything just. Nothing progressed after that, like to the point uh, thirteen, fourteen. That went by, and nothing happened. And then I remember sitting down watching the World Cup and just falling in love with football again. And as soon as that finished, I thought, "Oh great, I've got to follow Newcastle again." Pardew's Newcastle, and I just felt like I really don't want to. Even leading up to the first game of the season at Man City at home, I just like I just don't want to be a part of this. I just want him gone because it's just, it's just you know, football by its very nature, at the very least, what we pay for is entertainment. None of it was entertaining under Alan Pardew. This is why we were, you know, celebrating in the streets once he'd gone, hoping that we'd get someone in with more progressive to entertain us again. But I, I'm sh- maybe that will come with time under McLaren. It is too early to tell. He needs to build, a, you know, team properly. But Palace fans will soon realise this, and uh, I, I hope they come round sooner rather than later. Yeah, Dodds has had a, quite a few arguments on Twitter with Palace fans. I asked some Palace fans to get in touch to let us know their thoughts on Pardew. None of them have, which I, I is hardly surprising. Yeah, on a for that reason, I hope they don't come round. I hope they just get what they deserve. Yeah, and they'll end up down so in, in a year or two. Um, just quickly before we talk about our predictions for the match, Ben, what do you think would happen to Palace now if the board sold Kabai and Balassi in January without replacing them? Oh, they'd, they'd be right down where we are. Um, I mean, I think it's just that, that's the thing. It's a fine line in the league, so sort of tight at the minute as well. It's a fine line between the, the sort of teams that are on, the flying high and doing really well, and and plummeting down the league. I mean, as as you say, that they're, they're the only two real sort of quality players. I Zaha, I would put Zaha in there as well, um, but the, you would expect them to be down uh, fighting relegation. Um, so, it, I mean, obviously, your, your point, I suppose, is is new, sort of looking back at Newcastle. Yeah. Um I mean it's it's just amazing how sort of decimated we were when when we did lose sort of a, a couple of players. Um and it just shows yet yeah, when you haven't got the, the the millions and millions to have international players on your bench like you you star players that they've got to be fit and available and contributing. If you haven't got that you haven't got a chance. Yeah, so. Si. Yeah, well it's it's uh, that's exactly what what we're going through and if if I have to think we're not going for that at the minute. We don't have <laughs> we don't really have those two lose. players. We do have Mitrovic and Perez are better, arguably, as a striking partnership. Um, but if they either don't play well or don't play, we've got no chance. We're just what, giving the ball to Sissoko and watching them run into a dead end with four defenders. Like, it's, I, mean, it's, I suppose yeah. that that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, you, you said goodbye there. If I mean, our midfield at the minute is so poor that we can't control games to yeah. the point where we can't get the supply to the to the forwards. Um, Lord Spiceman just said there uh, he's just tweeted in um, in terms of the January transfer window um, do we think that we need to be looking to buy proven Premier League uh, players and I would probably yes. say obviously um, <laughs> we do but, but centre mid we need someone in there that, that's had, had the the um, experience and I, I mean I, I said at the time I was a bit I would have taken Kabai. I think there's a couple of said probably wouldn't have. Dodgy for one said he wouldn't. Twenty grand a week. But I know. I mean that that's the thing. It's a massive cost. So I, I get why you wouldn't. But he, he's just he knows how to play the game. He's a he's a quality player. Um, and I suppose it's just finding someone who, who's comfortable and, and knows how to play that, that that does a bit of everything. Yeah. Um, 
he, he was class and he, he still is class he still as they say he's got the ability to at least dictate a game like kind of control the pace and and, and the, the team can, can build itself around him and, and play around him we don't have that and I think we talk, sat here and talked about this four or five weeks ago is Jack Colback anywhere near good enough to fill his shoes and he, he's probably not he's nowhere near as good as Kabai he's, he's, he's okay and he, <laughs> he's not been having a good season but take him out of our team and what you're left with is another like ten times worse like that's how bad we are Jack Colback we're desperate for, to have him back and he's not he's, he's not, fit he's for, uh, anything. Fit for tomorrow apparently yeah, we desperately need him back in the team because the, the midfield, as you say, is just non-existent. Yeah, need to move on and talk about the the match. A couple of tweets we've had from Newcastle fans about Pardew, um and the match. We've got Chutney, which is at Andy underscore Emmers, thinks we're going to lose two one, and the Palace are a good balanced side who will do well despite Pardew, which I think is it's actually a pretty good summary of Palace. Um, Dino, we can't read your tweet out on the radio uh, because of foul language. But thanks for <laughs> tweeting. But cheers for tweeting, yeah, nice to know. Uh, at Bladen Races, Pardew has made an immediate impact at Palace and improved them. McLaren has made the tune worse. I'm not really sure that I can agree with that. Um, you can't really be worse than what we were under Carver. But yeah, both points, really. Uh, McLaren hasn't made us worse than we were under Carver, we're just no better. Uh, and I don't think Pardew's had a significant impact on Palace, really. They've just got... A, Good players. The only real thing you can say he's done is he's attracted Kabai, because um, he he wouldn't have gone to Palace without that. I wouldn't have thought. Um, and uh, at Mark underscore Blades said three 0 I'm not sure which way you mean uh, to Palace or to us. I doubt you think that it does that are going to win three 0 away at Palace, but you never know. And you've said that you thought Pardew always you always thought that Pardew have achieved with us, which I think is is probably true. Lads, Marcus, I'll come to you first. What do you think is going to happen at the weekend? Oh. Uh, what do I think or what do I hope? Well, bo- um, like both. Be, be realistic. Uh, be realistic. Uh, I, I, I hope that. Well, obviously, I hope we win. Just to, you know, for once, uh, you know, for us to be a little bit smug than seeing his smug, silver-headed face on, you know, being all glorious <laughs> in HD on match of the day on a Saturday evening. In reality, I think this Newcastle team is probably going to play right into Padre's hands go there like we did at West Ham try and take control of the game ultimately get caught on the counter and probably lose 2-0 and uh, let's throw in a red card for Wijnaldum discipline's all over the place at the moment so yeah probably going to get beat but I'll probably still have a good day anyway throwing about my sign and whatnot. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so um, yeah we're, we're not going to win um, if we're lucky they will play like they did against Sunderland and we'll get a 0-0 draw but that is all yeah we're not going to score are we no. Marcus did you give me a score there or not yeah, 2-0. 2-0. To a palace. To a palace, yeah. Ben? Ever the the optimist. I think... Um, Stop it. Every time you do this, we'll I get know, hammered. I know. <laughs> right, in that case, we'll get absolutely smashed. 4-0. <laughs> I personally can't look past a palace win. I agree with you, Marcus. I think it'll be 2-0, and I think it'll be unbelievably comfortable for them. We'll not threaten. We'll not string more than four passes together. Mitrovic will barely touch the ball. Perez will be played on the left. Anita will be the, the focal point. Dodgy just said McLaren's come in and built a team around Anita, which is absolutely yeah. mental. And Paul Dummett, <laughs> Paul Dummett be like Well, he back. wanted to build a team around Sissoko, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. And then hold him out. Out on the right wing. Uh, just like, how does that even work? Yeah, what, what manager in the right mind builds a team around the right winger? You've got to build a team around the centre middle, the centre half, which we don't have. We don't have a good one of either. Well, bar Cristiano Ronaldo, but you know. <laughs> obviously if you haven't got that ability then you know you're pretty stuffed aren't you yeah uh, 
Yeah. We are pretty stuffed. I think that's the best way to put it. <laughs> I think overall everyone thinks we're going to lose against Palace. And that's going to be dreadful to see Pardew's face afterwards. Dreadful. Uh, final points of the day. We'll just quickly talk about Sunderland uh, and their disgraceful, awful win. 1-0 on Monday night where Scott Dan just decided that he didn't want Palace to get anything out of the game and passed it to the first. <laughs> Um, it's, it's that pressure. People talking about him for England, and he and he went and bottled it. So yeah, I was going to mention Scott Dan earlier on because I think it's just another ludicrous like pickup from the press to say that Scott Dan should be playing for England. He's not very good. <laughs> he's not. He's not very good at footy. Um, Sunderland had thirty three percent possession in that game. Thirty three. It was just a complete hit and run, wasn't it? Against a terrible, terrible Palace side as well, playing as badly as they possibly could. We, we had something like thirty three percent possession at uh, Bournemouth. The the week before, <laughs> like. aye, but we, we we were better than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my real question is: Are Sunderland the worst team in the league? Marcus, I'll come to you because we've not heard this from you yet. Significantly, um, uh, it was summed up uh, against Newcastle when we were terrible, and then after ten men, obviously they took the emphasis at home, and fair enough, they won it. But up until that point, I think it's something like nine or sh- ten shots uh, on goal, uh, six seven of them on target. Uh, and again on Monday night summed up again where they go away to Palace and they just set up the big Sam game plan uh, of sitting back and then waiting for the counter and basically nailed it but that's anti-football in terms of an actual side if you ask Sunderland you know to play I don't know uh, the likes of Everton uh, and you know try and take the game to them they'd get torn apart yeah so uh, Ben I've got two questions for you I just want one word for each answer are Sunderland the worst team in the league no it's Villa Ooh. Table doesn't lie. Yeah. No, Sunderland are the worst team. And are Sunderland going to stay up despite the fact that they are the worst team in the league, apart from Villa? I think not. I think they're down. Think they're down? Ben? Oh, I really, really hope. So. They've got to be down. Like I'm sick of it. They've got to be. It has they're, to be, doesn't it? They're shocking. They have to be down. <laughs> Them and Villa, just, uh, they are the two worst teams in the league. Yeah. Um, it's close Aren't between. the two them. worst places in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to Villa away last day of the, uh, last away oh, game of the, be quite fun. the season. Anyway, that'll do for us this week. Um, as always, follow us on Twitter at TF Weekly Pod. Palace fans, if any of you have bothered to listen to this, I can't understand why you would, but if you have and you've got some opinions on Pardew, we genuinely do want to know what you think of him and whether you think he's going to keep you where you are or if you're going to plummet down the league, which is what all of us think is going to happen. Uh, also on Facebook, on the True Faith uh, Facebook page. So get in touch with us on that. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with a podcast probably discussing how we got battered by Alan Pardew's Crystal Palace Ben, Sai and Marcus thanks for joining us yep. mate. thanks for coming on Marcus thanks very much right, right. see you next week cheers seamless Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.